to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Well, guys, welcome to the Mom Village. We're so excited you're here joining us. And you know my name is Gismaria Ramos, but we got to introduce ourselves because there's people watching that probably don't know who we are. So I'm here with my husband, Christian Ramos, and I'm with my ladies, like always, Kristen Scroggins. You want to say hello? Yeah. Hi, ladies. And I have my favorite person in the whole world here with me today, Jimmy Scroggins. And... I have special guests that I really want to talk about. We always talk about how we love introducing the people that we love to the people that we love. And I've got one of my favorite people in the whole world with me today, Anna Cueto. They've been our friends for 13 years or something crazy. One of our first friends here who would actually invite our crazy crew over for dinner. (laughs) And so we've been long friends and I just love her dearly. She's my go-to if I can't make a decision. And we have a couple right there. Yep. Yep. Kira Kelly. Ladies. And I have with me my Valentine, my fave, Eric over here joining us for the Mom Village this morning. So this is the marriage conversation. So that's why we're all married here. Mm -hmm. We're going to have an awesome conversation. And it's a Valentine's special. So we have a lot of great questions from our listeners and followers, and we're ready to answer them all. So let's jump right in with the first question. Hey, can I do one thing? Of course. Go ahead. I think we should tell who Anna brought with her. <laughs> oh, really? Got, should we? Got, I don't know. Dr. Bernie Cueto, Ooh. Vice President for Spiritual Life Come and on. Campus Pastor at Palm Beach Atlantic University <laughs> and Teaching Pastor at Family Church and our good friend. There you go. And I'm, so I'm also a known, that he's there. Thanks, Jimmy. I'm also known as the Latin lover. That's why we're here for the Valentine's Day uh, special. We've been invited for this one. He's a good friend. You yeah. see, he's like, yeah. we can't forget about the Latin lover. <laughs> okay, so let's jump right in, Latin lover. Tell us, do you guys actually do something for Valentine's? Well, we actually don't do okay, anything on that specific day. We do something. We don't, we're not big gift givers. So we just kind of hang out on that day, have fun with the kids. And then we do go out for dinner, something fun another we day. We personally don't so. do anything just because... We're in the season that we have little ones. We don't have time. But we try either before Valentine's mm-hmm. or after Valentine's at least just to grab dinner mm-hmm. and do something. What about the Kellys? Well, we don't do anything either on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I know. This is a real fun. What a this great, is very, very romantic. example for all of those out there. <laughs> great Valentine's special. Well, what we used to do when the kids were little, we would make a very special Valentine's dinner. Mm. So we used to make like heart-shaped meatloaf and pink mashed potatoes mm. and dipped strawberries. Now that our kids are older, we still do a Valentine's dinner. But of course, they want filet mignon right now. <laughs> but yeah. about the scrubbings. Same for the Scroggins. Jimmy always takes me somewhere fun, but it's usually well before or after Valentine's Day because who wants to wait at a restaurant for two and a half hours and pay a babysitter for all that extra time? So we are like the Kellys. We do a special dinner for everybody. We decorate for our kids. We do little Valentines. And it's funny. I mean, we have college kids and now I still send them a box full of treats and they're expecting it. They're like, where's my Valentine? Valentine. I'll hang on to it as long as I can. So we had a couple of questions to ask each other 
kind of like an encouragement for couples to regularly ask each other. So let's start with that and then we'll go to our listeners' questions. So Kristen, what's our first question? All right, Anna, I'm going to throw it to you. Tell me how an ideal day off would look like to you. Okay. It's going to be different for him. So, yeah, but well, I'm you. I'll make it quick. It's a Valentine's Express. <laughs> <laughs> PG-13. Well, for me, it would be wake up whenever we want to, go to the beach. We usually pick up bagels on the way. And, but I like to go to the kind of beach where you don't have to take all the chairs, like the ideal day off, not the real day off, where you, Chairs are already there. If you want something to drink, you don't have to go too far. No housework, no cleaning, and no paying bills. That's my a good day for me. What about for you? Same for me. I think, you know, the older we get, our kids require less attention. So we really do enjoy all going together to the beach and just spending time with each other. That's awesome. So, Kira, what's our next question? Next question. What area of your life have you seen God working to change you? And I'm going to shoot that over to the Ramos. Ooh, Christian, right there. <laughs> well, thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> well, I think I've always, I've always had issues just getting mad. Like, I just get upset quickly. And the Lord has really been working in my life over the years that we've been married. Because when I was younger and I didn't really care. I would just get mad about things. Just, you know, be the, the Spanish passionate guy that would get upset about everything. But over the years, you know, my response really can damage our relationship. And so, you know, a soft word really is is what I'm trying to work towards. And I'm not fully there yet, but, you know, whenever I get upset about something, instead of reacting, I'm just trying to, you know, just say, okay, okay, well, you might not like this, but although even it starting does, like that is not good. <laughs> but that's something that the Lord has been working in my life. And so it's it's a very important area, I think, for me to, to work out. So, Anna, tell us what's the next question Sure. for our couple. How have you been encouraged recently? How about the Scroggins? All right. So I would say last weekend... Chris and I went to Missouri where two of our boys go to college and I had a chance to preach at the church that they go to in school. And Chris and I did a parenting conference for, for that church. We did that together. And I was just encouraged because my kids are proud to show us their church and they were proud to show their church who their parents are. And so it was just kind of a fun family time to, to be a blessing and serve and minister in a church that's really ministered to our family because they ministered to our kids. That's pretty awesome. So we're going to dive in and our followers and our listeners questions. And I was really encouraged about all these questions. I mean, they're really paying attention. They really love the message that the mom village is sharing in the podcast. So let's do the first one. How can spouses be more of an encouragement to each other on daily basis? I'm going to do, I'm going to tell the Quetos to answer that one. Well, I know that one of the biggest things that Bernie needs is encouragement. Because he says all day long, like he's, we've learned this after 22 years, I would say, is encouragement because everybody's always getting or taking from him or he's speaking. So it's very simple. When I thought about this, I literally just ask him how his day was. And I also ask him how I can help him just to relax pretty much. That's, that's how I encourage him. I'm, I'm not when a lot of these questions were about encouragement and I'm like, <laughs> That's not encouragement is code. My Why gift. Let me take over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say this: one of the ways she encourages me is she could tell when I'm not engaged 
with what's going on in our family. I'm there. It looks like I'm paying attention, but she could tell that something might be weighing me down. And in a loving way, sometimes a challenging way, she reminds me, hey, ministry is ministry. Right now, home is your first ministry. We want you to be engaged. And it just kind of helps me snap back into the moment. I think one of the things that's helped me encourage her is when we first got married, whenever she told me anything, I wanted to fix it. I wanted to address it. I wanted to solve it. And now after 22 years, she's really quick to say, hey, I'm going to tell you something. I don't need you to do, call, email anyone. I just want you to listen. And I think just the process of listening to her without trying to fix everything has been a source of encouragement. That's awesome. Sorry. And he's really learned. I mean, I've learned from him what an encourager means. He grew up with a mom that needed a lot of encouraging. And I think... I don't know if husbands right when they get married are the best encouragers, but he has been since day one, the best encourager. And God knew that I needed somebody like that. That's awesome. How about the Kellys? Well, I think some of the simple things, like one of the things that Kira is really good at. Similarly, you know, when I come in, she's always smiling. Like when I, anytime I come in the house, she's smiling. And that's, yeah, Thank you. <laughs> she does. And she probably, I mean, you probably don't realize you do it. So she smiles a lot, just genuinely like a happy to see you moment. I'm a pretty simple guy, old country boy. So for, for me and Kira knows this, it's the simple thing. So she'll do something as simple as that. The other day I was sitting in the room and you just came and you asked me like, how can I help you? You know, or how can I be a blessing? And one of the things that I know that Kira does, and she's way more disciplined at this than I am. And I am encouraged by this. Kira gets up every morning and spends her quiet time with the Lord. And I know that she's praying for me. And I know that she's praying for our children. I know she's praying for our family. So that encourages me. Now, it doesn't encourage me enough to get out of the bed and go do the same thing some days. <laughs> but, you know, I do. It's like it's, it's, it's the silent thing. So Kira's really a silent encourager to me. So, and I'm really grateful for that. So, Kira, how about you ask the next question so you can keep encouraging our mom village? Okay. What boundaries do you set? as a married couple in a cyber-savvy culture? It's a very good question. What do you want? Scroggins. Yes. All right. She so, just passed the mic. <laughs> well, as a married couple, I mean, the, main, the, the really the only thing I think that we do is we both have access to all of each other's devices. So I don't have any secret codes that Kristen doesn't have. She has access to my emails. To She can see all my text messages. She can see my calendar. And so, I mean, to me, I think that's the the best thing is that we don't have any secret access to devices. Chris, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. You know, we didn't grow up with social media because we're 48 and 50, so that didn't exist. But one of the things that we've done since the beginning is we just have joint social media accounts. I know that's not how everybody chooses to do it, but, and kind of that's the vibe that we send, like, hey, whatever we're doing, we're, we're all seeing it together. We're doing it together. We're a couple. And I think that that has been really helpful to the point where people just know. And so there was like, I got a text from a friend last year who somebody had started it was a well-meaning thing from our church. Somebody had started an account for just him. And my friend texted, hey, somebody's hacked your account. There's a Jimmy Scroggins out there. They invited me to be your friend. But we did shut that down. We're like, hey, yeah, that's not the direction we're going. We, we're going to be together. So they, they didn't do it. And we were just hanging out on social media as Jimmy and Kristen Scroggins. It gets awkward because they tell me happy birthday when it's his birthday. <laughs> Whatever. I will say really quick, like in a tech-savvy world, we're like half and half. Like we grew up part without 
social media and then part with social media we're that generation but i mean the key is like what you guys say just open accounts open communications no secrets i mean if you have secrets that means you're hiding something so yeah actually you have you're the one that runs all of my social media accounts oh, yeah. so i love that because i she she texts me in the middle of the day hey i i gotta post something for you it's my birthday <laughs> i was like oh, okay that's right so <laughs> so, wow <laughs> oh is that sad so if you if you ever no, no, no. but i i actually did so these guys we've been did. we've been getting harassed for why can't you be as good as christian <laughs> is telling if, you, if you were if you were Lately, by a pose that Christian made, you're welcome. <laughs> no, but she does that for me because she knows that I'm never active on social media. She feels like I should be, and she's right. And so she actually she runs all of my social media accounts, which is amazing. I never have to do anything about it. The only problem is when she comments on a lady's you know account and says that dress looks so cute, <laughs> and she forgot to change, account. change accounts, and it's still mine that she has to go back. You are her way, burner account. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So the moral of the story is just make sure you do like Jimmy and Kristen, you know, have one account so you don't make the mistake the Ramos are doing. So. I, I would add this, Jisma, just with regards to kids, we, we sort of navigated this for the, for the first time. Our kids had a dumb phone, a really old, no-nonsense phone. One of them had no problem with it at the beginning. The second one would always call us from a bathroom stall because he was embarrassed <laughs> for the kids to see. If they've graduated up to iPhones. They don't take those to rooms, to bathrooms. They leave it out. They know that we check things periodically. And working at Palm Beach Atlantic University, a lot of our students struggle with things on the Internet that are damaging to them. So we have a family account of a, a software called Covenant Eyes that just helps make sure we're all doing the best we can with that. I tend to practice what's called a digital sunset. So when the sun goes down, I do my best Ooh, to not look at my laptop, not look at not look at my phone. We never have phones at the dinner table, that sort of a thing. Now, it's a struggle. We're not perfect at it, but that's, that's our goal. That's May I say to Dr. Cueto, the dumb phone comment. <laughs> Some of us choose to carry <laughs> flip phones. Therefore, the rest of the world who carries a flip phone, I want to encourage you to continue with your dumb devices. Yeah, you, you have shared with us before in other podcasts. Tell us a little bit. You have a flip phone. I do have a flip phone, and in large part for these very reasons. It was one way that I wanted to take a little more control over my access to the Internet. And so I do have an iPad for which I use for work. But it's much more convenient for me to have this this dumb phone that really isn't smart and is incredibly inconvenient. But there is a phrase that I when I got that flip phone, I did say this, you know, when we want to make decisions about holiness, holiness is not convenient always. And therefore, that flip phone for me was a convenient way for me to maintain what I was trying to maintain in purity, but somewhat inconvenient in a world that's, as you say, tech savvy. Mm-hmm. Well said. I'm going to throw this next question to the Cuetos because they deal with a lot of college students. Hence, I'm guessing they deal with a lot of blended families. And so this question for you guys is, for those of our our listeners with blended families, how can they have quality time with each other while making sure that the blended family also feels included? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. You know, my, my parents divorced when I was three. And back then, divorce was a very long process. It wasn't as common as it is now. And my mom was actually worried about 
me and my sister having to go through all of that. She, she took us to a children's psychologist and he gave her great advice. And he said, in spite of everything that's taken place, don't treat their father as your ex, treat them as your father, as their father, because he's always going to be their father. And so just that respect that she had for him in spite of all of the struggles and the challenges, it meant the world to us. When we tell people that at church, sometimes they say, well, but he's not a good person or he did this or he did that. By the time my sister and I were 15, 16, 17, now we not only got sort of the full picture because we could observe things for ourselves, but my mom quickly became my hero because she was a woman of integrity. She didn't speak bad about the father of her kids. So I think that just respecting those God-given roles, in spite of the way that sin tarnishes that, when you extend grace and allow the gospel to sort of do the best that you can in spite of those difficult circumstances, I think that that goes a really long way. That's awesome. So let's go to the fourth question. What have you learned to appreciate about each other that you didn't know when we when you first got married? So I'm going to go over the Kellys. Go ahead. Yourself here. I, this, is a, this is a really good question. What have we learned to appreciate about each other? Even to this day, we've been married almost 24 years, and I am so appreciative that and we talked about the other day that Eric has kind of come into my world. I think I'm, <laughs> the faith. I think I'm a little. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> I think I'm a little, and, and he helps me recognize this. He says I'm a little over the top about things, which is my regular. Which, my which norm. Deny it, Eric. Deny it. Deny, I've never said that. Which camera? Which camera? Which I've never camera? said that. But he so has just come on in and, and alongside me, even though, like he says, he's a country boy, but he has melded into what I think is a norm, but he feels is kind of over the top. And I think that's probably in every area. Of- well, and, and I think that's in the flip side is what I appreciate about Kira. I mean, literally, if, if there were no Kira, you know, I would have shown up here with, you know, like some tatted, ragged <laughs> shorts and flip flops and an old T-shirt. But Kira has helped me. One of the things I do appreciate about Kira is the level of organization mm-hmm. that that you bring to our marriage. And at first it was like, for me, it did feel over the top. Mm-hmm. But when you're managing, when we're managing, as we all manage households and we're managing careers, you've got to have somebody that to some extent has an over the top view of life. Because if you got, have a guy like me, we would, we certainly would be struggling. I would be struggling, mm-hmm. to be honest. I would struggle to maintain all that we have to maintain as a, as a couple. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. Points. Bing. Okay. So, Anna, why don't you just read our next question, number five. Sure. How would you pray for and minister to your spouse if you are more mature in your walk with Christ without seeming prideful or nagging, but simply encouraging? This, this, yeah, this was a mom from Instagram that shared, how about Christian? Well, that is a great question. And I think when we got married, I'll tell the story, but you know, the listeners that have been following you guys know just your struggles as a little girl and your household and your father. And he was a little bit, you know, just very difficult to deal with and didn't treat you guys the best possible. And I remember the first time, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time I told you, Hey, I want to do like a Bible study with each other. It was like 7 p.m. I said, I want to meet at seven or six something. I want to meet at seven. Let's sit at the table and I want to read the Bible with you. And she was like, no. I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean? No. And she's like, you're not going to force me to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I was like, 
but why, why are you getting so upset? Like, I just want to read the Bible. You know, what's the problem? This is, you know, so I didn't understand it. And actually she got really upset and, and left. And I, I was like, I got upset at her because she was reacting like that. You but, upset. Oh, no. At that time, I didn't. But but later on, I went up to her and I said, hey, what happened? And it was, you know, she had an experience growing up where her dad would force them to get up in the middle of the night to do like a church service, like at two and three o'clock in the morning. And like will force the kids to like get up and do this thing that they they just wanted to sleep. I mean, that's not obviously her dad has some mental issues that we figured out later on in life. But it created in her this kind of apprehension to like, you're not going to tell me when to study the Bible and when we're going to do this. So what it really became was more of a, in order for me to help her in her spiritual walk, was more of a an example. So I would say, I told her, okay, I'm not going to force you to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And from then on, it was just, I would do it. Mm-hmm. And I would do it close to her, to where she would see it. And then I would go, she would, if I noticed that she had a little bit of interest, I would mention maybe the book or the, the devotional that I was reading or where I was reading. And I was, I would be like, man, this was so good. I learned that blah, blah. And she's like, oh, that's cool. And there was a little bit of interest, but slowly the interest kept growing. And then when I would sit down to read the scripture, she would go like, hey, can you read it out loud? Can we read it together? And then I would start reading, but it took a while for number one, for me to let go of the expectation that we needed to do this together now and, you know, and to understand what she had gone through and then also to just model that until the point that she felt welcome that she could do it with me. And it was something I, different. I can share a little bit. I became a Christian like in 1996. I grew up as a good girl in Catholic church, did what I was supposed to do, but he started going to seminary and I didn't have the same training. So I always felt like maybe what they're kind of talking about, the less mature, although I felt like I was more mature always, but (laughs) (laughs) but I remember struggling with things and asking him questions and he would go, well, did you pray about that? And I was like, he's totally offending me. Like, does he think I don't pray? Does he think I don't talk to God? And slowly, like it really offended me or have you read that in the Bible? And I was like, just tell me the answer. I don't need a teacher. I just, I just want somebody to just answer my questions. Or when he asked me to, if I prayed, it kind of gave me a little bit of a guilt, but I knew that it was true that that's what I needed to do. So after 22 years, I don't get offended anymore when he's so straightforward with his encouragement in, in that area. Mm-hmm. I do think too, though, if, I mean, there are marriages where the woman is more spiritually mature than the man. And so that's a tightrope because it doesn't take much from a woman for a husband to feel nagged or judged or lorded over. And so I think we can go back to the scripture and see what, what does the Bible say? And it actually, we know that this is an actual thing because in the scripture, they address it. And one of the ways that they say to win your husband over is by having, and this is going to be really against culture, but having a gentle and quiet spirit. So what does that mean? What does that mean? So to be living your faith out in such a way that is winsome and kind and encouraging. And I think part of the way we have a gentle and quiet spirit as wise with our husbands, even if it's not a maturity thing, but just, hey, we've got to believe the best things about them and maybe point those things out to them. So he may not be having a Bible study with you every day, 
He may not be praying with you like you want him to, but you may notice that he's like an incredibly hard worker. Well, that's actually a spiritual trait. And so maybe lean into the things that you see that God is doing in his life, how he provides for you. Yes. And just walk in obedience to what the Lord has for you to do. And, and, and maybe God will use that. We, we say that with our children that we cannot make our children love Jesus. We can't do that with our husbands either, but we can show our children and our husbands what it looks like to have a wife or a mom that's in love with the Lord. And that person would not be a nag or a discourager. I can assure you. Sometimes we just have to let God do his part too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we keep saying it and we hear it and we preach it. But how about we just let go and let God, you know, I don't want to sound like so. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But sometimes, you know, when we, when we put our, our family and the people that we love in our hands, you know, it doesn't go our way. It's not going to go the right way. But if we just actually let go and allow God just to take control, I mean, just use what Kristen said, like what the, the scripture says, you know, just have faith. Pray about it and just let God do his work. Amen. So number six. So how often do you guys go on dates? And then do you set outside a specific time? We're not going to answer this because he just preached about it. That was a controversial we we can talk about it after, but let's let's oh. ask let's oh. ask this. Let's, no, let's Shots fired. <laughs> I'm not following here. Uh, <laughs> which is it's the normal. Let's, let's ask the Scroggins first, and then he can he can finish. All right, so we don't have like a specific date night. I know a lot of couples do. I, I think that's a great idea. But we don't have that. And the reason we don't is because we have eight children, and it's impossible to set aside a night every week in order to, in order to do that because there's just too many varying schedules and activities. But what we do is on uh, Fridays, that's my, that's my day off, we do, Chris and I get up, and we usually have breakfast together. We spend some time together. We usually have lunch together as a family. And then I think Chris and I, you know, as our kids have gotten older, it, we don't really need a date night because the truth is whenever we want, we can just go, we're going out to eat. Y'all get some peanut butter and jelly <laughs> and just go and just do it that way. And then as our kids have gotten older too, we've traveled a lot more together. So we'll have overnight trips somewhere or two nights. And sometimes it's some, a little bit of speaking, something we're doing together or whatever, but it's still, we're by ourselves. We're getting a hotel room. We're going out to eat. We're having fun. So I think I've really enjoyed that. Well, for us, I mean, our kids are still little. So they're 10, 7, 4, and 3. And so it's hard to go out. It's hard, you know. We usually ask my mom or, you know, my brother or any of our family members to take care of our kids. Sometimes your sister drives all the way up from Miami. But basically, we don't have a set time that we have a date night. But I will say this, that as husbands, we have to be watching just the emotional, like, just how emotionally how our wives are doing, right? Mm-hmm. And so we got to be gauging that. And, you know, sometimes I come into the house and I realize she's had very difficult week or very difficult day. And I go, okay, you know what? Why don't we go out for a date? I'm going to call my mom. Or why don't we go tomorrow for a date? Because I know she's struggling with a lot of things mm-hmm. that I don't have to deal with. When she's gone with her friends and I have to be by myself with the kids for like one or two days, it's chaos, guys. <laughs> I mean, like, so I have to be, I have to be mindful of her, you know, how she's doing emotionally and then, you know, react accordingly or act accordingly. Mm-hmm. So we, we go out on date nights, you know, sporadically, not as much as we would like to, but what is a date night to us? Sometimes just sitting down and watching Netflix when the kids are in bed is mm-hmm. like one of the best things we 
we could do. And we love doing that because that's kind of the season we're in. So we just got to be, I think as husbands, it's very important for us to always be just gauging where our wives and where they are emotionally, how they are, you know, are they feeling good? Are they happy? Okay. That's important. And so, and then act accordingly. Yeah. I, I would say I agree. We don't have eight, we have three and there's every night there's essentially either a practice or a game or some events. But when we first got married and had zero money, we did say every Wednesday night, we're going to, we're going to go to El Chico's in Dallas, Texas. It was four twenty nine for two enchiladas because nothing's too good for my baby. <laughs> Free chips. We get one Sprite and share it. And for years until our first son came, we did that. And I would say for younger couples, even if I mean, if you can just get four twenty nine for two enchiladas, I really feel like that cemented real important areas in our relationship. And that's still foundational. And now we look back at El Chico's with, with great fondness. That's right. We did my graduation there. Yeah. So before we close, Kira, can you read our last question? Because we also have some listeners they're, and followers. They're not married. They're not married. And they're hoping to be married. Yes. So I'm going to ask the Quatos this question. And because you work with a lot of college students, mm-hmm. and I know college is a time when, you know, some women are there for their BSs, but some are there for their MRSs. So <laughs> I know you get a lot of this. Okay. So for the singles, both ladies and gentlemen, how can they be content in the season of waiting? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. You know, having been in ministry for a while now, for every single person I know that assumes having the right spouse is going to change their life, I know some married people that would wish they were in another circumstance. And so a person will never fully complete you. Only Christ could do that. Easy to preach, easy to say. The Apostle Paul calls singleness a gift. For that very reason, not because he was anti-marriage, but he was pro-kingdom. The other thing is to be single is an incredible opportunity to grow really deep in your relationship with God and serve other people. I mean, when I was single, I flourished spiritually in a way that I think prepared me for marriage, helped me to become the man I wanted to be and the man eventually she was going to need me to be. That's That's a great place to be. The other thing is I would never associate singleness with loneliness. God doesn't call anybody to be lonely. God calls all of us to be in community, spiritual community. So for the person that asks the question, don't associate singleness with loneliness. That's not what the Bible is is talking about. And I think that's a real important truth. And the mom village, we actually need all those single people. Because who takes care of our kids when we go on date nights? <laughs> so we we need them. We need them. And I think it's like a training because it's going to make you appreciate once if the Lord allows you to become a mom to appreciate the time that you have. I'm just saying it the way it is. So, but listen, we have part two. We have more questions to answer from our listener and followers. We're so thankful for all these questions. They're awesome. Thank you guys for joining and we're going to say goodbye, but we have part two and we have more questions. So ladies, let's say goodbye. Ready? One, two, three. Bye. Bye.